I'm Shaq Moore, and this is La Liga Lowdown. Hi, I'm Pablo Machin. This is La Liga Lowdown. Hi, I'm Jordi Amat. You are listening to La Liga Lowdown. And this is David Garrido bringing you the La Liga Lowdown mini-pod with Radio Stakhanov and broadcast on Sirius XM FC 157 in North America. What a match day three we've had in La Liga with goals galore, a couple of shock results, and Derby Central. We're about to take you through it all in the next half an hour with all of the La Liga Lowdown squad involved. So here we go. Barcelona smashed Huesca for eight with a stunning second half display at camp. Now Roman was watching. Barca had complete control and goals were coming left and right. But what was even more praiseworthy was the fact that the players still wanted to keep going even after scoring four, five, six and even seven goals. It's also three wins from three for Real Madrid, this time 4-1 against Leganes. Here's Ewan. Karim Benzema looked like 2012 Karim Benzema. He's linking up with his teammates better than he did when Ronaldo was on the pitch with him as he seems to now be passing to the best place man in white rather than the guy wearing number seven. Our reporters were out and about as well. Alex Abalaidos for Atleti's surprising defeat at Celta. Atletico did not look like themselves, especially going in slip-up, which was very unlike him. And Diego Simeone played Savic at right-back instead of giving Santiago Arias his debut. A perhaps strange decision. On Derby weekend, we had not just Betis versus Sevilla, but also Levante's 2-0 draw with Valencia, watched by our Paco. Fans using fans to cool down, people going shirtless in the stands, anything in order to avoid melting into a puddle of sweat during the game. There's your three-word verdicts too. We're talking transfers as the summer window shuts, plus the Spain national team as Luis Enrique names his first squad as manager. That's all coming up. We have new leaders in La Liga and perhaps you won't be too surprised to hear that it's Barcelona who welcomed La Liga first-timers Wesker to camp now and promptly thrashed them by eight goals to two. Five of those goals in the first half are the first actually scored by Wesker in just the third minute through Gucho Hernandez only for Lionel Messi to equalise on the quarter hour and by half-time it was 3-2 thanks to an own goal, a VAR-confirmed goal for Luis Suarez and then Alex Gallar pulling one back for the visitors. But sadly for them, Barcelona found another gear after to the break or several as Usman Dembele, Ivan Rakitic, Jordi Alba and once again Messi and Suarez added to the scoreline. It was a humbling for Wesker and they've come down to earth with a bump after taking four points from their opening two games at Eibar and Athletic Club. But was it just because Wesker came to play their football instead of parking the bus or were Barcelona really that devastating? La Liga Lowdown's Roman de Arquer was watching. Uh, Roman, what's your take on the Barcelona performance and what's the general feeling around the club? I guess we could say that both teams play their part in this result. On one hand, Wesco were certainly not interested in reacting, but rather taking their own initiative, whereas Barca, despite the initial slip, were capable of reacting swiftly and efficiently. It's funny how this also happened against Girona last season, so it comes to prove that the smaller clubs don't want to simply park the bus, but rather take the risk and try and grab a win against the stronger teams. Despite the visitors' two goals, they never really looked like a threat. Barca had complete control and goals were coming left and right. But what was even more praiseworthy was the fact that the players still wanted to keep going even after scoring four, five, six and even seven goals. Their hunger seemed insatiable, but there are some doubts in defence after those two goals when Huesca only shot three times on target. So that's something Valverde has to look into. Thanks, Roman, and more from Roman later. Meanwhile, Real Madrid seem to be finding their feet under Julian Lopetegui, a second 4-1 victory in as many weeks, this time against Leganes at the Estadio Bernabeu. Gareth Bale's fine right-footed finish 
finish was cancelled out by a Guido Carrillo penalty, but then Madrid took complete control, carrying Benzema at the double once again. His first ahead of goal, originally disallowed by the ref before being overturned by VAR, and his second, a wonderful strike from outside the box. Five minutes later, Marco Asensio was upended in the 18-yard box, Sergio Ramos confidently stroking home the spot kick to score for the second week in a row. Our man in Madrid is Ewan McTeer. Uh, Ewan, this was the old Garda 11, except Courtois for Navas and Asensio for Ronaldo. But how much more did this feel like a Lopetegui team than a Zinedine Zidane side? Yeah, you could really see the change in style in this match. Real Madrid kept possession so well that it was almost, dare I say it, Barcelona-like. They broke two passing records in this 4-1 win, both in terms of passes attempted and completed. Attempting 869 and completing 798 of them. The other major takeaway from this game is that Karim Benzema looked like 2012 Karim Benzema. He's linking up with his teammates better than he did when Ronaldo was on the pitch with him, as he seems to now be passing to the best placed man in white rather than the guy wearing number 7. Plus, he's rediscovered his shooting boots, which must have been getting mouldy at the back of his cupboard last season. And when Lopetegui was asked if he can be top scorer this season, I really liked his response. Why not, he said. Why can't Kevin Benzema score 30 or 40 goals? Cheers, Ewan. I'll be hearing from Ewan again in the second part of the show. Now, Atletico Madrid were tipped by some as their pick for the title, but they've taken just four points out of the first nine on offer after a 2-0 defeat at Celta Vigo. Impressive young Uruguayan striker Maxi Gomez got the first goal 42 seconds into the second half after Diego Godin slipped. He then assisted Diago Aspas for the second six minutes later, and even a third goal was ruled out by VAR for offside after Stefan Savic was sent off for the visitors for a second yellow card. An utterly awful day at the office with Diego Simeone and co. And La Liga Lowdowns. Alex Johnson was there at Balaidos. Whoa, just whoa. This match was nothing like any of us could have expected beforehand. Atletico did not look like himself, either in attack nor in defence. Especially going in slip-up, which was very unlike him. And Diego Simeone played Savic at right-back instead of giving Santiago Arias his debut. A perhaps strange decision. So, confront him was clearly missed there. Also, very few clear-cut chances were created for Griezmann or Costa to feed on, and Thomas Lermara was left on the bench until after Celta's second goal. Had he been on earlier, you feel he might have caused Hugo Mayo more problems than Koke did. Koke, who was a disappointment throughout the match. Homefans here were in party mood throughout the match, but Simeone's frustration was clear even in the first half as he and Ramon Burgos got attacked by referee Matteo Laos. So Atletico are playing catch-up in La Liga, and they absolutely have to respond straight after the international break at home to Eibar. And Alex got the views of a few Celta fans who'd made the trip for the game against Atletico. It was fantastic. We kind of knew that Celta could do this, the arrival of this new trainer, Mohamed. It looks like he's practically quoting Berifa whenever he, he talks and talks about having a team that the fans are proud of and attacking style football. And no one expected this, really. It was Awesome. Even with losing some players, I think the best was to retain Maxi and, and Lobotka because Lobotka and Beltran, they, they own the midfield. And then uh, the replacements like Okai, and they can play really well. Well, Simeone said it was a wake-up call for him. There were uncharacteristic defensive errors. There's been no clean sheets in any of their games this season and no goal now for Diego Costa in 12 in La Liga. Plus, there are those intangibles. Is there a lack of leadership now after the departure of Fernando Torres? and especially Gabby.
So a very strange start to the season for Atletico. Even worse for Valencia, who have just two points out of a possible nine. The Valencian derby finished 10 Malevante 2, Valencia 2. The home side took the lead after 13 minutes, following another lung-bursting run from Jose Luis Morales. The ball forwarding to Roger Martí for the finish. But only three minutes later, Denis Cherishev headed a Carlos Soler cross past Oyer on his first start on his return to Valencia. Just after half an hour, Roger latched onto an Ennis Bardi cross your ball to control and far home past Neto for 2-1. Only four started to be fouled in the area just into the second half and Danny Parejo converted the penalty. Koke's second yellow card meant that Levante had to play the last quarter of an hour with 10 men, but Rodrigo missed a sitter and Valencia couldn't quite find the winner. A frantic game then, truly end-to-end, in the lunchtime heat of the city and Paco Bolic was there to see it all at the Estadio Ciudad de Valencia for La Liga Lowdown. A frantic game indeed with both teams fighting toe-to-toe for the win and ultimately falling short of their objective. Obviously, the Valencian derby had the extreme heat as one of its main concerns, with over 50,000 water bottles being delivered to the fans and 20,000 caps handed out for free. Fans using fans to cool down, people going shirtless in the stands, anything in order to avoid melting into a puddle of sweat during the game. Great atmosphere as always with 24,000 in attendance, very respectful attitude in both crowds and plenty of cooling breaks for the players. Gonzalo Guedes, Valencia's newest signing wasn't in the game, but Valencia newcomers such as Gameiro, Daniel Bas or Batsuaji added more minutes this season. This is how fans reacted to the Valencian derby that ended with a draw. When you look at what they did in the first game, the intensity that they came out with, and then you see what they've done against Espanyol and Levante, and you don't see that same type of intensity. You know, today, especially with the absence of Condoglia, you could definitely tell that Dani Parejo's mistakes were clearly evident because Condoglia wasn't there to cover his body. It wasn't a bad game. The first half, Levante played really, really well. They have a really great player as Morales. I think like the second half, we played better than Levante. For Gamero, wasn't a really uh, lucky day. So anyway, 2-2, not bad at all, but it's like we need to see Valencia win the next game. Well, after the game, Paco was prowling in the mix zone as usual and got us another flash interview this time. He grabbed a quick word with Rafael Duamina, one of Levante's summer signings. Yeah, I think we put on um, our best performance today. Davy is always special and then today we had a point, so it's very important. Even though we didn't win, we got an important point, so it's very good. People could notice the heat outside the, the ground. No. How it was to be over there with, with such high temperature? Yeah, it was, it was really hot. It was really hot. Um, yeah, but for me, it's also normal because I come from Africa. But uh, yeah, playing in this water is not easy. It's not fun, but I'm... Uh, um, that's that's our work. You had to play with one man down at, at the final 15 minutes, and, yeah. and you guys did a very good defensive work. Uh, yeah. You managed to to keep the the draw. How it was to to come off the bench in the last few minutes and try to work for the team? It was hard. It was hard. Um, at this very moment, there is no need for you to show your individual performance. You just have to commit to the to the teamwork, defense. I think we we worked very hard the, the entire team, and um, today we had a point. So, I mean, we we are we're happy with it. So that's last season's top four done. And dusted we'll be back with the rest of the weekend's action in a couple of ticks every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer put lifelock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss plus with a u.s-based restoration specialist on your team 
you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome back to the La Liga Lowdown podcast with Radio Sakana, broadcast on Sirius XMFC 157, taking you through match day three of La Liga. And having reflected on the Valencian derby, it's time to recap the other feisty local clash. And this is one of the biggest in Spain, Rabetis against Sevilla at the Estadio Benito Villamarín. It was breakneck speed from the first minute. Cristian Tello playing at right wing back for Betis, making a nuisance of himself. Sergio Canales at the centre of everything and also having a goal disallowed for offside, whilst at the other end it was Pablo Sarabia causing havoc and the Franco Vasquez forcing a save out of Betis keeper Paul Lopez 45 gone catch your breath but then the real turning point in this game shortly after half time the sending off of Roque Mesa who got his second yellow after coming together with Paul Lopez although it looked very harsh indeed and then on 75 minutes the introduction of Betis talisman Joaquin Sanchez five minutes later the ball was recycled back to Isamondi whose regulation cross into the box was poorly defended by Sevilla Joaquin stole in between Jesus Navas and Gabriel Mercado to nod home past Thomas Batchelik and send the home fans crazy and despite eight minutes of stoppage time, Betis held out for the win. It had to be Joaquin, and afterwards, he reflected on the result in the context of the recent history for these two teams. For years, Sevilla had ruled playing in Europe while Betis had struggled, often in chaotic circumstances off the pitch. But there have been a lot of changes for the right reasons, he said, and Betisismo is back. Pablo Machín, the Sevilla coach, was incensed with the decision to send off Roque Mesa and that the red card came at just the time the visitors were having opportunities through Mercado and Jesus Navas against the bar. Well, Machín now has defensive issues with Mercado's arm injury, Sergio Escudero out with elbow problems after an awkward fall the other week, but it is only Sevilla's second defeat in 10 games this season. Now, Villarreal had a pretty bad start by their own standards. One point and one goal in three games after a 1-0 defeat at home to Girona. It was a neat Christian Stuani finish after being played in by Borja Garcia. Uh, but Villarreal had been denied the opener by VAR with Carl Tokwekambe adjudged offside despite firing emphatically past Bono. After that, Santi Casorla volleyed over. Alfonso Pedraza's deflected shot hit the corner post and bar, but that equaliser would not arrive. Villarreal coach Javi Calleja said he was disgusted with the result. And what's worse is that Santi Cáceres strains left knee ligaments. It won't require surgery, but Cáceres will be out for eight to ten weeks. For Girona, it is a first win of the season, and they were boosted by the news afterwards that Porto has decided to stay at Montilivi as Sevilla failed to capture him on deadline day. <laughs> It's also a first win of the season for Eibar and it was a comeback victory too in one of the other local clashes on match day three. Uh, but Asier Garitano, the Real Sociedad coach, could be forgiven for his post-match claim that everything went against his side. That after William Jose slotted home a penalty but injured his hamstring in doing so. Off he went 11 minutes later, loan signing from Barcelona's B team, Marc Cardona, equalised the hosts at Ipurua after a superb run and centre from Anaitz Arbilla. La Real threatened after that 
pass through Teo Hernandez and Juan Mee, but they finished the game with 10 men. Martin Marquelance, the Real Sociedad Academy graduate who came on for Asier Yarramendi towards the end of the game, went off after suffering an ACL injury and La Real had used all their subs. Uh, Eibar's winner against the 10 men came in injury time. Sub and veteran striker Charles getting in front of his marker and diverting ahead of past Jerónimo Ruggi. José Luis Mendilibar said that he hopes the points would give Eibar confidence and help them believe in what they're doing. It was a similar outcome just south of Ipurua as Alaves came from behind to beat Espanyol 2-1 and there was a touch of fortune to this one as well. It was Leo Baptistao who gave Ruby's side the lead just before half-time from the penalty spot and Espanyol could have been 2-0 up after that approaching the hour mark but a combination of referee Iglesias Villanueva and VAR ruled out the goal from Sergio Garcia and that fright sparked Alaves into life. Just a few minutes later Borja Baston headed home from close range and then after a brilliant run down the right from Johnny his cross was confidently volleyed past Diego Lopez by Ruben Sobrino. Tables turned 2-1 and Ruby chucked on the forwards as a response but to no avail Alaves held out for their first win of the season and their coach Avelardo admitted the VAR decision woke them up that his team had heart, character and intensity. For both Alaves and Espanyol it's been a mixed start one win, one draw, one defeat four points from three games. Sadly, the game at the Coliseum Alfonso Perez couldn't claim to have much excitement, as the scoreline would suggest. Nil-nil between Getafe and Real Valladolid. Homekeeper David Soria was kept busy, denying Javi Moyano, Oscar Plano, Enezunal, amongst others, while Nemanja Maximovic struck the foot of the post for the hosts. Getafe boss Pepe Bordelas said that his team weren't clinical enough in front of goal and also lacked quality, but he was pleased with the work rate of his players, while his opposite number, Sergio Gonzalez, said that his team were mature and knew how to fight. And in the Coliseum, that is a vital quality to have. The biggest story coming out of Adolif was the announcement that Ronaldo, the Brazilian one, or Phenomeno, is now the majority shareholder, having bought a 51% stake in the club. In his presentation at the town hall, Ronaldo said he wanted the Valladolid fans to be a part of this project and he wanted their ideas, their opinions, their feedbacks and their hopes and that he wanted the club to grow as far as those hopes could carry them. Well, Valladolid right now are in the bottom five, Valencia alongside them on two points and then the early relegation zone, it's Villarreal and Leganes, both on a single point and Raya Vallecano, who are pointless from two games. Remember, their match at home to Athletic Club was postponed as their stadium is closed at the moment for ongoing construction works. But that didn't stop 400, 500 or so Raya fans marching on Vallecas to protest at the way in which this situation has been handled and demanding the resignation of President Raul Martín Presa. At the top of the table, Real Madrid and Barcelona both have maximum points, but Barca lead on goal difference with Celta Vigo currently third on seven points. And in between, there are 11 teams on four points after mixed start. also had the end of the summer transfer window. Relatively quiet last week for Barcelona. The same for Real Madrid, who didn't get that Galactico signing that some were hoping for. Uh, here are six of the deals that did happen in the last few days of the window, which were intriguing. Striker Borja Mayoral from Real Madrid to Levante on a season-long loan. Striker Mariano Diaz from Lyon to Real Madrid on a five-year contract. Midfielder Giovanni Lo Celso on loan from Paris Saint-Germain to Rabetis. 
Winger Quincy Promise from Spartak Moscow to Sevilla on a five-year deal. Striker Sandro Ramirez from Everton to Real Sociedad on a season-long loan. Winger Gonzalo Guedes from PSG to Valencia on a six-year contract. And a few other loan deals. Striker Alex Alegria from Betis to Rayo Vallecano. Winger Sabin Merino from Atletic to Leganes. Midfielder Darko Brasanach from Betis to Alaves. And midfielder Sebastián Cristóforo from Fiorentina to Getafe. So let's go back to Roman de Arquer on this subject. A few frantic late deals went through uh, with especially Leganés and Rayo doing business on the Friday night. But uh, which move jumps off the page for you, Roman? And were you surprised uh, the Barca and Madrid weren't more active? For me, it's definitely the Guedes deal. Marcelino and most Valencia fans were desperate for it to happen. And it took all summer to finally close that crucial signing. Let's remember that Guedes was one of their best players last season. And he's only 21. But I'd also like to mention the Quincy Promise signing. Many were expecting Porto to end up in Sevilla, who didn't even travel to Castellón to play against Villarreal. And suddenly, the Dutch international was presented as a new signing. He scored over 10 goals in his past four seasons at Spartak as a winger, so he should prove a great offensive alternative for Machin. Although it has to be said that the Sevilla manager was really keen on signing Porto. Regarding Madrid, I was slightly surprised at how quiet they were this summer. They needed a striker and finally got Mariano, but with Ronaldo leaving, a bit more was expected. Many mentioned Neymar, but apparently it's too soon, so they might just be saving money for next year. Whereas Barcelona could have gone for another midfielder, but with Samper, Arena and Rafinha staying, and Ricky Puig knocking on the first team's door, it made sense not to bring in anyone else. Although speaking to some culés, the need of a striker to replace Suarez was mentioned. Monir is a good player, but he won't necessarily guarantee a good bunch of goals each season. Cheers, Roman, and don't forget uh, there is no La Liga coming up this weekend as it's the international break. Instead, we focus on the Spain national team who take on England and Croatia in the new UEFA Nations League. Luis Enrique is the new man in charge, replacing Julian Lopetegui, and it's an intriguing squad that he's named with just two Barcelona players in it, Sergio Roberto and Sergio Busquets. Also three from Atletico and six from Real Madrid. That's overall less than half the squad coming from La Liga's big three. The squad announcement came in Madrid, so let's head back there and speak once again to Ewan McTeer. Uh, Ewan, what, what do you read into that? I find it really interesting. I think Luis Enrique is trying to make a point that the national team squad is open to all Spanish players if they work hard enough and perform well enough. He even explicitly stated during his presentation as Lopetegui's successor that he wants to bring in fresh faces. Although we know that the UEFA Nations League is the most important tournament to ever be created in the history of, well, the past couple of months, it's obviously not the most important competition La Roja are going to be playing under Luis Enrique. And I think he's trying to send out a message more than anything with this squad. For example, he even listed Real Sociedad's Diego Laurenti in the squad, even though the guy busted his knee just last week. It might help him in his recovery to be around the group, Luis Enrique said. You see, this whole squad was a message. It's like when your local Chinese takeaway gives out free fortune cookies to make the point that it's under new management and that they've stopped putting Diego Costa in charge of the sushi. It's a new era for Spain and you don't have to be a player for the big three to take part. Thank you, Ewan. Uh, Spain take on England at Wembley on Saturday and then Croatia at the Estadio Manuel Martinez Valero in Elche the following Tuesday. Time now for your three-word verdicts on match day three. Thank you for sending them in to us on Twitter at La Liga Lowdown. Cule per sempre has gone for my man Lionel. No prizes for guessing who that refers to. Uh, this from Jack Sanders, Barcelona masterclass. Uh, Luis Velasquez says juego de posición. Uh, like this from Mark McGowan, lift the roof. 
he says. Attaching a video of his view at Balaidos, watching Celta Vigo beat Atletico 2-0. And Celta USA go on that same match and the form of Tony Mohamed's men. Their verdict is Celta's for real. Uh, Line Academy FC says ridiculous Roque Roja. Yes, that's to do with the red card dished out to Roque Mesa. A second yellow for his collision with Paulo Lopez in the Betis Sevilla game. And our squad have got involved too. On that same game, Alex has gone for Joaquin Sanchez Rodriguez. Yes, that's the full name of Betis' talisman who won El Gran Derby. While Roman has said, Wesca hate H8 losing. See what he's done there. And that is it for another week. Match day three done and dusted. So a quick reminder of where else you can find us. We'll keep you updated on all the stories in Spain's top division during the week over on our Twitter feed. We are at La Liga Lowdown. On YouTube on Friday we'll have our Partidato predictions around the England v Spain game on the Saturday at Wembley. So go to youtube.com forward slash C forward slash La Liga Lowdown or quite simply put La Liga Lowdown into your search engine. Our website has all of our content in one place. So check that out. www www.laligalodan.com and if you like what you're hearing give us a five star rating and subscribe to this podcast whether on Apple Podcasts or on your Android device that's your La Liga Lowdown we'll see you soon